continue with our studies through the book of Ecclesiastes. <clears throat> this evening we find ourselves in chapter 7. I'm going to read Ecclesiastes chapter 7. We are going to consider verse 1 to verse 14. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. This is the inspired word of God. A good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning and the, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than this? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that, is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the works of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. So that man may not find out anything that will be after him. In my vain life, I have seen everything. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Be not overly righteous and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this and from that uh, withhold not your hand for the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man, more than ten rulers who are in a city. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself has, have cast others. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? I turn my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom and the scheme of things and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that is madness. And I find something more bitter than death. The woman whose heart is snares and nets and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Behold, this is what I found, says the preacher, while adding one thing to another to find the scheme of things which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found. One man among a thousand I found, but a woman among all these I have not found. See, this alone I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. I'm going to pray, and then we will consider verse 1 to verse 14. Please bow with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We desire now that you would speak to us, that your Holy Spirit, the living breath of God, 
would come and breathe new life into our willing soul that you would cause your word to come alive in us grant that we would love your law this afternoon that it would be our meditation all the day long grant that your commandment would make us wiser this evening as we consider wisdom wiser than our enemies wiser than the evil one grant that it would forever be with us this your word we pray that you may grant your testimonies to be our meditations constantly we pray that you may help us to understand your precepts to keep them grant that your word your very word this afternoon would keep our feet from evil help us not to turn aside from your rules grant that we would be taught this afternoon bring your word so clearly to us that it would be sweet to our taste sweeter than honey in our mouths grant that we would hate every false way through your word this afternoon lord i pray that you would help me as i as i communicate to speak clearly to speak simply even though the words of the preacher are not the simplest do through this psalm on this afternoon what i cannot do in and of myself walk the supernatural o lord by your holy spirit uh, give me souls give me your people this afternoon oh lord make me make me a dangerous man lord through the wielding of the sword of the spirit this afternoon and may all your people receive your word and be able to say amen to it help us lord for we pray all these things in jesus name amen so we are we're considering verse 1 to verse 14 <clears throat> um the last time that we heard from this book last week from our pastor manasses ended with the point that god is sovereign and i'd like to pick it up from there and submit to you that the preacher is now calling us to live wisely under his sovereignty we are called to live wisely under the sovereignty of god so the title of my sermon this afternoon is living wisely under the sovereignty of god now knowing the sovereignty of god does does not mean that we just let things happen the way they will or become fatalists who who say uh, god is sovereign and therefore we need not do anything that's what it, that's not what it means to know and to believe in the sovereignty of god rather resting in god's sovereignty means that we submit to him in all things we bow before the sovereign rule of the skies and we live in light of his wisdom which preserves us and so the sovereign god is the all wise god and in in his wisdom he gives us precepts that we are to walk by in his created world and by living uh, by living with the wisdom that god has given us in light of this wisdom God preserves us this way. And so the 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 opposite is true the the man who does not live in light of the wisdom that God gives is not preserved is foolish and will eventually perish because they will fail to keep the precepts of God they will fail to fear God which is what the the preacher is kind of directing us towards telling us to fear God because that's that's our end and we want to abide by the wisdom that god gives us now the preacher uses the word good nine times in the passage before us there are places <clears throat> and there are places he uses the word better to mean more good and so he uses the this word good um and then where we see the word better it's as though he's saying this is more good this is this is this is better 
um, and it would be contrasting ways of living um, to us in the passage before us. He would be contrasting, he would be telling us live like this and not like this. It's better to be like this and not this other way. And so he, he, he would be helping us to live wisely under the sovereignty of God. He has just finished telling us that honor is vanity. If you, if you look at chapter 6, chapter 6, verse 1, there is an evil that I have seen under the sun and it lies heavy on mankind, a man to whom God gives wealth, possessions and honor. And so, and so he, he, he has finished telling us that God gives these things but they are vanity. So he says, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him power to enjoy them. But a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous evil. And so the, the preacher just finished telling us that honor is vanity. But then that would be, honor would be vanity if it is considered under the sun. Because anything that we do under the sun is vanity. Anything that we look at from the perspective of this world is all vanity if it is not looked at from God's point of view or if it is void of God or if God is removed from it. But then now he'll be telling us that under the sovereignty of God everything has meaning. So that as he tells us on the one hand that honor is vanity under the sovereignty of God honor obtains meaning and this is to the end that god would be glorified i'd like to bring you five points if, uh, uh, from the passage that is before us number one honor is better than luxury from verse one that honor is better than luxury from verse two through to six that seriousness is better than being trivial. Seriousness is better than being trivial. And then number three, from verses seven to ten, that restraint is better than rashness. Restraint is better than rashness. And then number four, from verses eleven to twelve, that wisdom is better than wealth. And then number five, from verses thirteen to fourteen, that submission is better than rebellion. Submission is better than rebellion. And so what I'd like, I'd like for you to understand what is going on in this passage because it's not a very easy passage to grasp. And the message is simply this. We are to live wisely under the sovereignty of God. The sovereign God has given us, uh, has sovereignly given us means by which we are to live by he has told us this is how you are to live by and when we abide by the order that God has given then we are wise. That is the basic message that we are getting from this passage. So number one, honor is better than luxury. Look at me. Look, look with me at verse one. You can also look at me <laughs> um, when you finish looking at that verse. Verse one. A good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of birth. <clears throat> the first item on, on the preacher's list is this assertion that having a good reputation, having a good name is better than enjoying the luxury of fine perfume. You know, that, that, that precious ointment there was a real symbol of status in the ancient East. You remember that woman who comes with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment there in Matthew? Matthew 26. <clears throat> and pours it on Jesus. Um, uh, it is too expensive that it gets Judas wondering why it was used the way it was used. And it is as though this woman had read or heard the words of the preacher that a good name is better than precious ointment. It did not matter to this to this woman how much how much the ointment costed, because a good name is better than precious ointment. Now, precious ointment can can be bought, but a good name cannot be bought. You are wise 
and wisely living under the sovereignty of God if you pursue a good name more than you pursue this precious ointment. This thing that seems to be more valuable. The preacher is telling us a good name is more valuable than the precious ointment. So that the precious ointment can be bought but a good name cannot be bought. So then it's better to have a good name. It's better to have a good reputation. Direct question for you there. What are you seeking in this life? Now the, the preacher has just finished telling us of the vanity of wealth. And he continues to tell us that the way now you live wisely under the sovereignty of God, the one who gives the wealth to some and not to others, the one who gives wealth to someone who will not enjoy it, the way to live wisely under his sovereignty is to seek for a good name. To seek for a good reputation. What is your reputation? What, what do people think of you? If I were to ask the, the, close, the, the, most, uh, uh, the closest people in your life, 10 of them, what, what would they say of you? The preacher is telling us, living wisely under the sovereignty of God here is pursuing a good name because it is better than precious ointment. And the preacher says that when a person is born, you can only measure his life in terms of what they can do, its potential. When he dies, you can look back and see what they have actually done, what they have accomplished. So then he says there that the day of death is also better than the day of birth. <clears throat> He's saying in, in, in light of the self-indulgence that he has been talking about and in light of the whole matter of wealth that he has just concluded speaking about that uh, uh, the, the day of death is better than the day of, uh, of birth. How much better to go out of life having accomplished something worthwhile than to have passed your days in meaningless self-indulgence. So, 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 so how is the day of death better than the day of birth? It's better than the day of birth when you have lived your life in light of God's sovereignty without having been self-indulgent as he has been seeking for all the things of this world and being able to see what you have accomplished, having especially sought the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> it would be better for you never to have been born than to be born and to die without Christ. The day of death for you would not be better than the day of birth. Now, I'd like you to consider that the day of death can only be better than the day of birth if number one you look back at what you have accomplished and see that it, it, it is done to the glory of God it is done under the sovereignty of God and number two and most importantly when you look back and you see that you you are you are found in Christ in Christ alone so how, how much better to, to, to go out out of life having accomplished something worthwhile than to have passed your days in meaningless self-indulgence. But then it is also when one dies, uh, they have finished their course in this world. And in that sense, it is, it is better. When one dies, we know that they, their course in this world has, has ended. I'd like you to consider that it is better for you um, To anticipate the day of death when you think about this wicked world, this sinful world, and all the things that are therein that would have us fall uh, out of favor with God. We have to think like the preacher here, that the day of death is better than the day of birth. Because the day of birth grants you entrance into a wicked world. If you're a Christian, here this afternoon, the day of death grants you entrance into the celestial city. And in that sense, it is better. 
Number two, <clears throat> seriousness is better than being trivial. So number one, honor is better than luxury. It's better to have a good name. And you see, you see how they are connected, having a good name and dying. Because if you, if you have a bad reputation, how will the day of death be better than the day of birth? Number two, seriousness is better than being trivial. Verses two through six. <clears throat> Look with me there. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. For by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is laughter, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. The passage here in verses 2 through to 6 is absolutely important to us, especially since we live in a in a generation, a society, a world that is just seeking for entertainment. And, and, and I'd like you to see, to see here very clearly that the preacher is calling for seriousness. Seriousness in life. Seriousness in the way we view things. Because we live in a world that is seeking for entertainment in everything. We live in a world of comedy. A world of celebrities. And all forms of trivializations, if you will. All forms of joking. Both the seriousness and the trivial are found in the world. But one is better than the other. For instance, look at verse 2. It tells us there, it is better to go to the house of mourning. And, and it, it tells us it, it's better to go to the house of mourning because when a person visits a house in mourning, he learns something. That life is brief and that death is coming. That's what we read there. For this is the end of all mankind. And the living, the living, those who go to the house of mourning, will lay it to heart. He takes this to heart and sees the need to live wisely under the sovereignty of God. Sovereign God says it is better to go to the house of mourning. You become wise when you consider that that's the truth. You're able to live wisely because you, you, the living are able to lay this to, to heart when they see that this is the end of all mankind. Now, this is not a lesson which a person is very likely to, to learn at a party. Is it? It's not a lesson that you're likely to learn when you go to a concert, for example. Or when you're watching comedy, the preacher is telling us here that it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. That's where parties are. That's where you get parties. Now, the whole prosperity movement would have you believe that you, you can have it all if you just believe. But the preacher tells us otherwise. Look at verse 3. He says that sorrow is better than laughter. That it is better, it is better to be thoughtful and serious about the problems of life than to laugh them off. Now, we, we all, because of our natural inclination and sin nature in us, want to laugh rather than cry or be sorrowful. The preacher is telling us here that sorrow is better than laughter. That it is better that you think seriously about matters, about things, about the problems of, of this life. The, the preacher is saying, come back to reality. Life is not all about laughing and enjoying because we live in a sinful world. The way you live wisely is by understanding that God in his sovereignty has ordained that there is sorrow in this world. And then he says that um, 
it's better to be serious about the problems of life than to laugh them off. Um, <clears throat> this is a course of action that is more likely to help your heart. Look at what he says there. Verse 3, For by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. Have you ever cried something out? You've very seriously meditated upon something and then it's very sorrowful, whatever it, it may be. And then you've cried it out. What happens? The preacher tells us that for by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. The heart is brought to rest when it comes to the reality that sorrow is better. It's better for you to cry when you need to cry than to laugh when you need to cry. And that will make your heart better. When you act like everything is okay when it is not, you're not helping yourself. And even worse, you're not acknowledging the sovereignty of God. And so the way you live wisely under the sovereignty of God is by doing that which you would have been doing during those times of sorrow. Common example can be found in the in the sense of relief which a sad person experiences after giving vent to his feelings, after weeping. And we have this example from our Lord. He doesn't laugh that Lazarus is dead. Well, he, he does, but, but then he, he later on shows us that he loved Lazarus and he weeps for him. Preacher tells us here, the way to live wisely under the sovereignty of God is to take sorrow when, when it should be taken. S sorrow is better. He continues to tell us there in verse 4 that the heart of the wise, <clears throat> look with me there, is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. What we have here is that a fool can, can think only about laughter, but a wise person constantly remembers that death is a fact. That's what, we are, that's what, that's what we've been told there in verse, um, verse 2. That it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. But this is the, this is the end of all mankind and death is presupposed there. It's the end of all mankind. We, we go to the house of mourning because there, there is a death that has happened. The living paid uh, 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 late to heart. They pay attention to it. And then in verse 4 we are told that the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. And then uh, the, the, the heart of the fools is in the house of, house of mirth. The, the word mirth there um, simply means happiness or great merriment, great enjoyment. And that's where the heart of fools is. And then the heart of the, heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. A wise person constantly remembers that death is a reality, that death is coming. How many times do you think of death? Richard Baxter has a brilliant work on dying thoughts. You can get your hands on that book to be of tremendous help to you. How, how, how often do you think of death? The preacher is telling us that Living wisely under the sovereignty of God is constantly thinking about death. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. The next verse, verse 5, <clears throat> is very sharp. Now, now you see the, the way these, these verses are telling us that seriousness is better than uh, being trivial or what you'd call frivolousness, frivolity. Um, taking things for granted. You ought to be a serious believer. And when you are a serious believer, meditating upon the things that the preacher is telling us here, you live wisely under the sovereignty of God. Because this is what God in his sovereignty has decided is the best. So verse 5 what you have there in verse 5 is, is very sharp. 
especially for those who hate being criticized. Again, you see the, the whole idea of seriousness. You know, <clears throat> those, those who hate to be criticized, verse 5 is not very good for them. Those whom the wise man calls foolish because they will not be told anything by anyone in the Proverbs. If, if you read the Proverbs constantly, you'll be able to see that Solomon says, the fool doesn't like to be told. They, they don't like to hear criticism. When you, it is useless to criticize the fool. Then we read there in verse 5 that it is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. Now you see again there that seriousness is better than uh, uh, being trivial. The serious talk of the wise, the rebuke of the wise is infinitely better. It is infinitely preferable than the song of those who are foolish. Those who try to sing themselves out of thinking deeply about life issues. What is one of the purposes of, of wine? Think with me for a moment. One of the purposes of wine, as is given to us in the scriptures, is it is to be taken by someone who is in sorrow, that they may forget their sorrows. That they may laugh and sing and enjoy, forget their sorrow for a moment, but then when the, when the wine wash, the, the, the drunkenness washes away, they remember their troubles. That's what the, the preacher, Solomon, in Proverbs tells us. He's telling us here that you better have the serious talk of the wise. It's better for you when you're rebuked. Because you will not be like those foolish people who sing themselves, who want to think away their wrongdoings, think away their life issues, who don't want to deeply think about the matters of life. The things you go through ought to be thought deep, deeply. You ought to think about deeply those things that you go through. You know, even your sins. You have to think, to meditate. Those trials and temptations that you face, they ought, they, they ought to be deeply thought about. And it's better for you when you are rebuked, when you are corrected. It's better, to you to have, it's better for you to have your sins pointed out than to be entertained. Seriousness is better than being trivial. And then... I, I don't want to stay there for so long but please dear saint be willing to be rebuked be willing to be corrected be willing to be told because <clears throat> the preacher tells us that living wisely under the sovereignty of God is is being rebuked by the wise than hearing the song of fools than constantly being tapped at the back, being told how good you are when you're not. Seriousness is better than being trivial. And then lastly, on seriousness, being better than, you know, than, than the trivial, we read there in verse 6, that for as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. This also is vanity. What you're being told here is that a fool's talk may make great noise. <clears throat> now, I have grown up uh, in Nairobi most of my life, but I have constantly traveled to my grandmother's place when she was alive. And I know the way you start a fire. You know that rural fire? And how do you start it? You take the weakest... Uh, firewood you take those uh what do you call them what are they called here the crackling of thorns those those thorns that are weak you put them there they quickly light the fire and then you can now add in solid firewood the preacher is telling us 
that the crackling of thorns under a pot uh, uh, um, is to be compared to the laughter of fools. That uh, a fool's talk may make great noise. And you know, when you're starting that fire, the way it, the way it comes up, very noisy. The impression may be good, but it accomplishes nothing. Just as thorn bushes crackle on the fire. But do not generate sufficient heat to boil the pot. You must add firewood. They are worthless. The preacher is saying, don't, don't take the singing, the songs of fools, the laughter of fools. Be serious. That's the way you live wisely under the sovereignty of God. You know that God is serious. God is not a funny man. God is very serious. Especially when you think about sin. You realize that God is very serious. Holy God is not smiling in heaven. Bible says that he is readied his bow. He's wetting his sword, preparing to cut into pieces all evildoers. You, dear saint, ought to be like your God. You ought to be serious. This is how you live wisely under the sovereignty of God. Now, that's not to say that you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't enjoy. But, but, but the point is made. The preacher in this section is, is telling us that living wisely under the sovereignty of God means that you, you want your life to be characterized by a particular seriousness rather than foolishness, rather than trivialness, frivolity. That, that casualness that people have today, that's not how the saint lives wisely under the sovereignty of God. If there was no God, life under the sun would be everything that we, we, we wish it to be in our, in our sin nature. Fortunately, there is a God who determines the way life is to be lived. And your life, your life ought, ought to be characterized by seeking a good name, seeking honor. It ought to be characterized by seeking seriousness, seeking to be serious about life issues, taking them seriously. Number three, like you to see from verse 7 to 10, that restraint is better than rashness. Restraint is better than rashness. Look with me there at verse 7. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than this? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Now, <clears throat> even though the restraint and rashness are in this world, again, <clears throat> just like um, seriousness and trivialness, <clears throat> uh, or honor and luxury or a good name and precious ointment then though both restraint and rashness are found side by side in, in, in God's created order we are not to think that they are of equal worth the point of this paragraph is to remind us that a person needs to keep himself in check for there are all sorts of influences which can pervert your heart. You have to keep yourself in check because there are all sorts of influences that can that can taint you, that can cause you to act out of character. Verse 7 reminds us that extortion can turn the wisest of men into a fool. It says, Surely oppression drives the wise into madness and a bribe Corrupts the heart. Now, think with me for a moment what, what the bribe has done 
to our present day Kenya. <clears throat> just, just think about that. How, how corrupting is bribery? It corrupts us. It corrupts the wisest of men. Wisest. And they're told there that oppression drives the wise into madness and bribe corrupts the heart. Um, <clears throat> now, think with me that the people who delight in bribes do not have restraint. They want to have what they want to have at whatever cost. That's not the way you and I ought to live. If you're going to live wisely under the sovereignty of God, living wisely means that we, are res- we have restraints. We know that we cannot do- there are things we cannot do. Because it doesn't matter how wise you are. Um, bribe will corrupt your heart. Even if you are required or forced into bribing by oppression. Because the verse tells us there that oppression drives the wise into madness. We are to restrain ourselves in this sense. Look at verse 8. You are told there that... um, It is better, uh, the end of a thing is better than its beginning. And you hear those, those very words of, uh, of verse 1. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. And, 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 and again, we are told there that it's better to be restrained. It's better to be patient than to be rash, than to be proud. Hmm? It is sensible to be cautious in your speech. Since it is only after you have spoken that you'll be able to, you know, you'll be able to, to think about what you have spoken. And so, restraint, restraint. Look at verse 9. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. You're told there that we are not to be, we are not to be in a hurry to give expression to the anger that we have. And you hear, the, you hear the words of the Apostle Paul there, be angry and do not sin. Um, Solomon tells us this, the same thing in, in Proverbs, that we are to be angry, but we are not to sin. Um, the Psalmist tells us the same thing, we are to be angry, but we are not to sin. So we're told there that we're not to be in a hurry to, to, to express ourselves when we are angry. Restraint is better than rashness. Um, you may end up saying something that you may regret. And then you're told that only, only fools are quick-tempered. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry. You hear the words of James there. Be what? Slow to anger. Be slow to slow to anger. Slow to speech. And you hear the consistency of the scriptures there. So we are told that we should be careful the way we, the way we act when we get angry. We are not to be quick. We are not to be rash. We are to be restrained when we get angry. And we are told that anger lodges in the heart of fools. Now, now consider that for a moment. When one is not restrained but is rash in his anger or his or her anger, they are foolish. They, can, they, they do not think straight. They do not act properly. They do not conduct themselves the way that they should. Because they are being led by their anger. And the, the preacher is telling us that they are not restrained. They are rash. Because of that, because that anger is lodging in their hearts, they are foolish. So he's, he's telling us that restraint is better than 
rashness. Now look at verse 10. <clears throat> Say not, why were the former days better than this? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. We must always think about what we are going to say before we open our mouths. That's, that's what the, the preacher is telling us. Living wisely under the sovereignty of God means we are careful in the way we speak. Now, these are very heart-piercing matters. Because all of us fall short. All of us are sinful in one way or another concerning these matters or regarding these matters. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ is the most precious gift of all gifts. We are being told there that um, the way we restrain ourselves is by being careful what we talk about, what comes from our mouths. It's better. It's it's much better to take a take a take a moment to take a second look at the past and the present be, uh, uh, before things were better. Than years ago. We are told there that <clears throat> we are not to we are not to think that the former days were better than days today, as though God is not sovereign. God is sovereign for today's uh, condition. He's sovereign over what is happening today. And when we say why were the former days better than this? It's not from wisdom that we ask this. Because we are not living wisely under the sovereignty of God to realize that God is the one that ordains all the days of our lives. And in that sense, then we are to be restrained rather than rash. And when we are restrained, when we are careful before we think, ah, 10 years ago it was better than now. When we are restrained like that, we are wise. We live wisely under the sovereignty of God. Now, before I move to the next, um, um, the, the, the next point, <clears throat> I'd like for you to think of the preciousness of Jesus Christ. To you that believeth, He is precious. Because we are prone to all these, all these things. We are prone to be the foolish ones rather than the wise ones. We are prone to fall into all these matters, to be, to love precious ointment more than we love a good name. And, 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 you, and, and you, you know what, what responses people give when they are asked, what would you do if I were to give you $10 million, people will do anything for money. But you're being told that good name is better. You're being told <clears throat> it's not only that a good name is better, it's also that we are to be rather than trivial, we are to be serious. How many times have we been trivial? Even, even, even things that should be taken seriously. You know that there are things that you can be trivial about. But then we are trivial even about things, matters that should be taken seriously. How many times? Many times. <clears throat> How many times have we, have we fallen to the scene of presumption? Thinking like this, the way the preacher tells us, former days were better than this. Forgetting that God is sovereign over all. How many, how many times? Many times. This then makes the Lord Jesus Christ the most precious because it is only in Him that our sins, these particular sins, are covered. And it is also in Him that we are enabled to live wisely under the sovereignty of God. In Christ alone. Therein is our hope. It's perfectly possible that over the years we've forgotten many of the difficulties and disadvantages of those times. And if we speak um, in, a, in an un uncontrollable manner like this, 
Why were the former days better than this? The preacher tells us that we will not be very restrained and therefore we will not be very wise. Number four, I'd like you to see that wisdom is better than wealth. From verses 11 to 12. Wisdom is better than wealth. Look with me at verse 11. Wisdom is good with an inheritance. An advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Wisdom is better than wealth. The qualities considered in the previous two paragraphs are, are opposites. <clears throat> if you have one, you can't have the other. If you have seriousness, you can't be trivial. If you have uh, 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 restraint, you can't have uh, rashness. But, but not everything is like that. Surely, you can have honor and you can have precious ointments. And that's the case for, for this fourth point. You can have wisdom and you can have wealth. It's possible to have both of them in this world. And if you, if you have both of them, if you have wisdom and you have wealth, you are rich indeed. If you have a good name and you have the precious ointment, you're rich indeed. Um, and so verse, verse, that's what verse 11 tells us. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. And so this is, this is an excellent combination of having wisdom and having wealth. But the preacher is going to quickly tell us that wisdom is better. Even though having both of them is possible, having wisdom is better than having wealth. Look at verse 12. <clears throat> For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. Both of them provide the same measure of protection. They protect in the same way. But do not think that they are Therefore, equals that wisdom is like wealth. No, no. Look at the second section. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Now, it is your duty as a Christian man or a Christian woman to pursue wisdom. While you are not necessarily required to pursue wealth and, and we we have that in the past two sermons that we have from chapter 5 and chapter 6. Wisdom is better than wealth. You are to pursue wisdom. You are encouraged to pursue wisdom. You're told there, the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. You know, wealth can provide you with so many good things which this world has to offer. But wisdom is superior because it gives life to those who ha have it. You see, you see the word life there? Wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. In this book of Ecclesiastes, life is used, this, this word is used to mean uh, a life worth living. That life that is worth living is that which, which has wisdom, that which has restraint, that which has uh, honor, that which is serious. That which lives wisely under the sovereignty of God. And so, this is the privilege of those who live and die in the fear of God. To be wise. And therefore to have life. To have their life preserved. And this is something which wealth can never purchase. Wealth cannot buy you wisdom. If you have acres upon acres of mirror, you know that's the cash crop here, and you never go to school, and you're the richest man because of that cash crop, you're, you can never buy wisdom. You can't be wise, therefore, because you are wealthy. We're being told there that it is, it is better to have wisdom than to have 
wealth. Now, <clears throat> before I move to the last point, I'd like you to see that the fear of the Lord is what? Is the beginning of wisdom. You're, you, when you fear God, you're wise. But then, this kind of wisdom that is seen in the fear of God is, is and can only be found in Jesus Christ. It's only in, in Christ that we appropriately fear God and therefore we become wise. We are able to live wisely under the sovereignty of God. Sovereign God has sovereignly ordained that the means by which anyone will be saved is through Jesus Christ. Wisdom, the fear of God which is the beginning of wisdom is coming to Christ depending on Christ, living for Christ, having your life governed by Christ. And that way, you live wisely under the sovereignty of God. Come what may, you can never be foolish. Because why? Because you are in Christ. The epitome of the expression of the fear of God which grants wisdom. Only wisdom knows the way to the fear of God. And this wisdom is found in bowing to Christ. Nowhere else. Number five and lastly, submission is better than rebellion from verse 13 to 14. And the submission that we're talking about here is submitting to the sovereign God. Look with me at verse 13 and 14. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. As we think about these last verses, what you must remember is that basic fact that God is sovereign. <clears throat> that our lives are in his hands. And that everything is ordered by him. That God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Verse 13 tells us that we cannot make things different from the way God has made them. And so the best thing for us to do is to submit to his sovereignty rather than rebel against his sovereignty. Dear husband, dear wife, submit to the sovereignty of God. That's the way God has ordained things and that's the way it will be. Consider the work of God, the preacher tells us there in verse 13. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? It's as if he's asking, who can overturn what God has already turned? No one can turn the tables against God. What does Job proclaim there in Job 42? That God has his plans and they can never be thwarted. So we are told there that we cannot make things different from the way God has made them. God is sovereign. Rather than rebelling against his sovereignty, we are to submit to the sovereignty of God. Look at verse 14. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. I'd like you to notice that the preacher uses the word consider both in verse 13 and 14. In verse 13 he says, consider the work of God. In verse, uh, at the middle of verse, verse 14 he says, uh, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider that he says that God is sovereign. That God has made the one as well as the other. God has granted prosperity. God has granted adversity. God grants joy. God grants sorrow. Consider this. 
Both our days of prosperity and our days of adversity are determined by the sovereign God. We are to submit to the sovereignty of God rather than rebelling against his sovereignty. By all means, rejoice in prosperity. Be joyful in what God has done. But do not be conquered by, by the spirit of rebellion when you experience adversity. I know, I know I've taken so long, I'm about to finish. But consider with me how we human beings are. That when we are prosperous, we are very happy in the Lord. In quotes. What happens when adversity comes? We act as though we do not know God. We act as though God does not exist. We act as though all hell has broken loose. We act as though God is not the same God who is on the throne who was there when we were prosperous. And then we start rebelling against God. We start acting contrary to the will of God when adversity comes. The preacher is telling us there in verse 14, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. Rejoice in the sovereignty of God. The day of adversity, remember that God is still sovereign. Consider that God has made the one as well as the other. So that man may, man may not find out anything that will be after him. So rejoice in, in prosperity, but, but don't, be, don't be overcome by the spirit of rebellion when you experience adversity. Stop and consider both are from God. And, and, and the preacher is telling us, you simply don't know which one will come to you. That's how he finishes. So that man may not find out anything that will be after him. You simply don't know how things will turn out. Because of that, bow, submit to the sovereignty of God. Live wisely under the sovereignty of God. Like this. Live wisely under the sovereignty of it is impossible for you to unveil what the future holds. Live wisely under the sovereignty of God by submitting to God. You are reminded of your own creatureliness when you know that there are times of prosperity and times of adversity. Isn't that what we read in, in chapter 3? There is a time for everything. There is a house of mourning and there is a house of laughter. God is the sovereign one. And so the best, thing, the best thing for you to do is take each day at a time and whatever it holds, take it as if it's from God. Take it as from the omnipotent sovereign hand of God. And you will be living wisely under the sovereignty of God. Submit to the sovereignty of God. And what, we, what we have there is that honor is better than luxury. Seriousness is better than being trivial. Restraint is better than rashness. Wisdom is better than wealth. And submission is better than rebellion. Submitting to the sovereign God. And this then will help us to live wisely under the sovereignty of God. What's the point of, of this passage? The point of the passage is simple. You have to recognize that God sovereignly rules over our lives and that his wisdom is the one that preserves us. His words are the words of life. They are the ones that preserve and keep his people. You have to recognize that the way we are able to live wisely under the sovereignty of God is first and foremost in Christ alone. Because time and time again, you and I will fall. And because we will fall, we are to run to Christ. We are to be safe in Christ. Let me, let me give you three applications there. Number one, live before the face of God. The way you live wisely is by living coramdio, before the face of God, as in the presence of God. Live each day knowing that God exists, that God is there, God is with you, God is seeing. Number two, submit to God's authority over your life. Submit to God's authority over your life. 
in light of all these things, realizing about uh, uh, the whole matter of honor, the whole matter of seriousness, rashness, the whole matter of wisdom, the whole matter of uh, um, submission, come to God and bow before Him in His authority. And then lastly, lastly, seek the wisdom of God and live in light of that. Realize that this, this book in biblical literature is, is called the wisdom, is a wisdom book. It's wisdom literature. If you want to be wise, you read the Proverbs, you read the Psalms, you read Ecclesiastes. You read song, song, song of songs, wisdom literature. Seek the wisdom of God. Take this passage and go through it again. And bow before the wisdom of God. Live in light of it. And you will be living wisely under the sovereignty of God. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word which... which is food for our souls. We pray that it may take root in our hearts, that it may help us, that we may know you. Grant that the passage before us this evening would especially help us to know how to live wisely under your sovereignty, how to be governed by your precepts, and that it would point us ultimately to the Lord Jesus Christ, who alone is able to grant true wisdom. Bless us with these things, Lord. Lead us as we set out for the week. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.